as simple as can I afford to eat at like Cipriani, you know, whenever I want in New York, right? Do you want it or do you not, Um, you know? Oh my gosh, that book threw me for a loop. (laughs) I was in another world for a couple days. But I will say the identity thing, it's so powerful. You literally write it into existence until you believe it. I'm out by myself. He's like, tell me he's friends with Marc Jacobs. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. And you know, I think he was like sad that I wasn't as excited. I'm like, I don't know, dude, what do you want me to say? Like, oh my God, let me meet him. Like, honestly, I don't care. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey guys, it's your host, Dasam. And Emma. Here with another episode of Before Before We We Make Make It. It. And today we are here with New York City-based founder of social media agency Lost Hatton and Elite Skatewear and host of What Fulfills You podcast, Emily Elizabeth. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited. So Emily, why don't you tell us more about yourself, how you got here, your journey, where you're from. We want to know all about you. Yeah, so I guess I will start it all the way back from my childhood days. I was born and raised from a very small town in Pennsylvania. Fun fact, I actually went to Taylor Swift's rival high school. Mm -hmm. So I actually grew up in her hometown. That's like pretty much the only relevant thing about my hometown is so other than that, I grew up in a town of like 8,000 people. And then when I was 18, I moved out to Southern California, went to school at Chapman University, graduated in 2019, um, studied communication and business. I was a former competitive figure skater for 12 years as well as a tennis player. So I grew up with like an athletic background. I was just always a competitive athlete, was training five, six hours a day on top of school. That's when I started Elite Skatewear. I was 17. I just had a knack for wanting to do my own thing. That was just always like my personality trait. I just always wanted to do it my own way. So eventually I started on eBay, turned into a business, e-commerce business, expanded into stores throughout college. And so that's become, um, you know, one of my businesses today. After college, I worked in sales at nine to five. I left that a couple months ago um, to work on Lost Hatton and Elite Skatewear and what, what fulfills you full time. Speaking of Lost Hatton, that's just like my creative marketing agency. My background in that, um, I was an intern for an agency my senior year of college. I've always done a lot of branding and business strategy for different businesses in certain niches. So for me, that's just kind of how I've always had my skill set in that. That's just been my expertise with growing my business and, of course, the Wealth That Fills You podcast, which is something I love. And it's just um, been very helpful for me in keeping up with self-care, wellness, and all that. Awesome. Let me preface this by saying... Dang. I know. You have done so much in such a short period of time. I've seen your figure skating videos on Instagram. I've been fangirling, honestly, over Emily's aesthetic and her flawless just social media pages for a while now. Being Korean, Yuna Kim was my idol growing up. So I love that you have such a diversity of passions, interests, and you seem to excel at everything you do. We're going to get into our first segment, Truly Obsessed. Anything you've been loving lately, music, food items, trends, TV shows. I know you recently got your nails done and they look really cute, but... (laughs) I love this segment personally. We always have to talk about all of our favorite things and it's really fun. My first thing that I've been loving lately, which everyone knows I always talk about a drink and (laughs) it gets very repetitive, but it's always different. Okay, so... 
The first thing that I've been loving is pineapple smoothies. It's just so refreshing in the morning. It's very summery. So I'm going to have to switch it up for fall, but just pineapple smoothies, period. Try just any sort of, I don't know, tropical, fruity, citrus Mm. type of deal in the morning and it wakes you up. The second thing is I recently read Malibu Rising. This one is about surfers in the 80s. So it was just... Oh my gosh, that book threw me for a loop. I was in another world for a couple days. But the last thing is a skincare product. It is the Hyaluronic Acid Serum from The Ordinary. I'm sure you guys are familiar with The Ordinary. They have amazing skincare products. They're super affordable. This one in particular is just, honestly, if I didn't use it, I would have a breakout (laughs) or something. So I love this product and highly recommend that one. Yeah. So you guys kind of already said it. Nails has been something I've been really obsessed with lately. And I have to preface, I used to not be obsessed at all. In fact, I used to think it was okay to walk around with chipped nails. And I'd have one of my girlfriends who loves nails. She'd be like, Emily, you really need to take that off. Like, you know, just get acetone and just remove it. I was like, no, it's fine. Like no one really notices. And then in March, adding to the story, I was in Miami and um, I met a guy who was looking at my nails. And again, my Miami is one of those times where if I'm going on a trip, I'll go and get my nails done. So I did like a French manicure again. He looked at my nails and he's like, oh, I can tell you take care of yourself. I was like, oh, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, my mom. And this guy is like from Czech Republic. He's European. And he's like, yeah, I've, I, my mom always told me like, you can tell if a girl takes a woman takes care of herself by looking at her nails. Um, and I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness. So ever since then, and my friend who was always the one that would nag me about my nails was also on that trip with me. And she's like, Emily, I told you. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, that was a life-saving moment because uh, since then I've learned men do notice. They actually notice and they might not tell you, but they will notice like how your nails are. Yeah, I'm just very into nails right now. And I think it's a great way to just take care of yourself also to stay polished and all that so that's definitely my favorite um and then I'll just dive into a quick tv show funny enough I usually don't watch tv because I don't have any streaming service I just purposely do that for discipline but I have like some of my friends like log in like you know they'll just give it to me I don't even beg for it they're like yeah you can have it I'm like okay so I have an HBO login from a friend of mine and um, recently I've been watching Succession amazing show um it's really great for people who love dark humor and like satire which I do so it's really funny and I binge watched it and I think the third season is coming out this fall so I'm stoked for that but I usually don't watch any show like I don't watch Bachelor or I don't even know what the popular shows are right now I'm like that out of pop culture yeah or whatever you want to call it but oh my god you know it is what it is yeah that's how you can do so many different things you wear so many hats and that's probably a huge contributor to it side note do you watch Dyn- or have you seen I Dynasty because I feel okay. vibe is definitely similar to Succession okay yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I love anything like humor so I totally re- relate yeah, with not good. knowing what's popular right now because I haven't even watched like, Stranger Things or any of the really popular shows that have been coming up recently so I'm with you there but Emma is actually the one that got me into nails and it's so sad because I have this weird thing about throwing out my nails until they're literally falling off and mm-hmm. recently I chipped my fingernail and it's literally in this mini cast because oh. my real nail broke with the fake nail because it was just so long so oh, wow. right now <laughs> I'm trying to take a break from nails 
I had a guy friend tell me that they always notice for some reason when you have the tiniest bit of chipped manicure on your toes or nails and they're always super bothered by it. It's a pet peeve because it's, dude, either have the full set or nothing. So I think that's so funny. The Nature Republic sunscreen, I know that's random, but Nature Republic is a really ethical, sustainable makeup slash skincare brand here in Korea. And their sunscreen literally feels the most lightweight watery lotion ever but I think it's SPF 60 or something and I've been obsessed with that recently and then also I've been really into this citrus espresso drink Emma catching on to your trend at Starbucks and it's not available in the US but <laughs> it comes in this beautiful it literally almost looks like an olive martini glass and it's espresso with the citrus and then like half an, a little orange slice on top and it's beautiful so I'm a sucker for presentation when it comes to drinks and then last but not least Again, I've been back into J.P. Sachs' album, Dangerous Levels of Introspection. If you all know, I'm obsessed with him. Seeing him in San Francisco soon. And that's where I'm at, honestly. I know. I love that so much. I want to go to the concert with you. He's amazing. I know. Okay, let's get into the meat of the episode. Emily, we wanted to have you on to talk about a few things. And we're going to start off with the whole idea of manifestation. Because we hear it being said a lot. People are always talking about manifesting your dreams and positivity mindset and manifesting all the things that you want in your life. Similar to if you've ever heard of The Secret, Mm -hmm. all about positive thinking and visualizing what you want in your life. For me, I keep it very simple. I know there's a lot of content and data out there on manifesting and and attracting certain things in your life. To be transparent, I think some things are a little woo-woo for me, but Mm -hmm. I will admit I have used manifestation and law of attraction in my own way, um, in particular when I quit my job. I write things down or I talk about things as if they have already happened. So when I left my nine to five, weeks leading up to that, when I once I figured out I am officially leaving in April, there's no ifs, ands, and buts. When people asked me, you know, when I first met them, they'd be like, oh, like, what do you do? I started to leave out the nine to five part. To some people, they might think, oh, is that lying though? Or is that faking it? Like, not really, because I already have the intention to fully leave. And now I'm starting to fully identify as this person now with this kind of career. So that's like one example of how I manifest it is I start to talk about myself as if I'm already that person, because subconsciously you start to really believe that like that's already true, right? I try not to talk about things as if it's like going to happen. I talk about it as if it is. So for example, like let's say you start your fall semester September 1st, I would just say, oh, I started my fall semester on September 1st, even though today is August 24th. I'm saying I started in September, even though it's coming up, it's already a decision that's made. It's already like, yes, it's happening. There's no like chance that the fall semester isn't starting on on September 1st, if that makes sense. So coming back to when I left my job, I wrote in my journal, my actual What Fulfills You journal, I wrote every single day, multiple times, I left my company in April 2021 and went full time with X, Y, and Z. And I would write that down repeatedly, like line after line after line. And I just noticed I subconsciously, again, started to shift into that mold of a person versus the person that balanced a nine to five on top of the many other things. For me, it was a matter of shifting the identity of who you are. And I know if you guys have read or heard of Atomic Habits by James Clear, he very much talks about just the small habits that 
you know, you build up that change your identity, which is, I think, again, a similar concept with manifestation. Every now and then I write out like, for example, recently, I wrote out how I want my life to look when I'm 24, 25, 26. That seems really specific. But I just I write about it as if like, it's not impossible. Like I write about I fly on a private jet every time Mm -hmm. I travel, I, I try not to hold back from things like I actually want. And then I start to go, okay, like, how do you make this life actually possible? Then again, I make it audacious, but still realistic but also something I actually want, you know, it's not like I'm writing, oh, I want, I, I drive a Ferrari, you know, because I quite frankly don't care about Ferrari. I might like, I like different cars, but <laughs> I think it's just the same thing is that's just how I step into identifying as that person. And I start to live that through the habits, through the lifestyle, through like acting a certain way. So I think the nails aspect comes into play too. It's like when you're really put together and when you start to identify as like a classy, you know, upscale woman, whatever you want to call it, like I just, you start to like live that, you know? Yes, I am obsessed Mm -hmm. with that. Everybody should be taking notes right now. I remember your Instagram captions because they're always very thought out. Mm -hmm. And you wrote recently, being well-dressed is a form of good manners. And I totally agree with that. (laughs) But I will say the identity thing, it's so powerful. BJ Fogg, actually a Stanford professor, wrote a similar book about tiny habits. And it's all around the fact that if you do something, the tiniest thing say, I'm going to do two push-ups every day, literally the tiniest habit. And you start to celebrate those little wins, then it actually becomes ingrained in your identity. And you start telling yourself, I'm the kind of person that does push-ups and that works out. And this is super fit. And then because of that mindset shift, you literally start pushing yourself more and more. And then eventually those two push-ups become 10, become a hundred and you're on that route to success. Yeah. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. And I appreciate that you said A lot of people do see manifestation as woo-woo because I think it depends how exactly you're practicing it and what exactly you see it as, whether it's vision boards or you, for example, you're the you journal Mm -hmm. it and you literally write it into existence until you believe it and until it becomes truth. I think people have a common misconception that it's somehow doing some sort of spiritual practice spell in Mm -hmm. a way of all of these like wild things that would happen to you in your life. But really, yeah, exactly. But really, it's so practical. And I think another thing that I want to hear your thoughts on is just what if those things change? You know what I mean? Because we're all in our 20s in the matter of a month or something, you could just up and change so many different things about your life and who you are and what you want. And so what do you say to people who aren't sure of what they want? And they they want to start. Yeah, in that case, I would usually advise people to actually first start with what you want then. I don't know how you can take a first step if you really don't know what mm. you want. People our age overcomplicate the process of knowing what you want. Like, you know, they say, oh, you don't need to figure out what you want in your 20s. Like, actually, though, I, I kind of think I don't think you have to. But I also think the process to figuring it out is 10 times easier than people make it. They think like figuring it out means knowing what career you want, knowing like when you're going to get married and all that. And not really like for me, what I think of figuring it out or knowing what I want, it was like, as simple as can I afford to eat at like Cipriani, you know, whenever I want in New York, right? Those are just random things like again, or can I afford or can I like fly a private jet or like, can I fly business class? Like it's again, I'm like throwing out these like big things but it's a matter of like yes or no like I could throw out like 20 various questions to people and be like is this what you want they could just be like yes or no and that's a simple way to narrow it down but I don't think it's about oh I I want this career and this path like I think we all know it more internally than we really think we do it's just that we're not a asking the right questions and b 
we're encouraged that it's like this big concept, but no, not really. It's a matter of what do you wish you could do, you know? And some people mm-hmm. would be like, oh, I wish I could go out and do this more, you know? And it's like, okay, what's holding you back? And some people might say finance. Some people might say, oh, like I'm nervous. Like I'm emotionally nervous. And one thing could be like, I want to go out more in New York, right? Like the other weekend, like I went out twice, like both nights completely by myself. And, you know, I just think it's a matter of, you know, it's just a matter of asking yourself, like, what do you like want like today, tomorrow, not necessarily next year, you know, that's a whole nother level where I'm pretty concise with knowing what I want to eat with knowing how I want to live and like the type of nails I like, you know, it's just like the small things that you have to figure out first. And then you can level up in figuring out maybe what do you want three months from now and like six months from now, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think if you don't know what you want to do, find a role model and kind of mimic their behaviors, their actions, their confidence, whether it's online, offline, et cetera. And I think that's a great starting point. The issue though, for many people, I think is balancing that dreaming and doing part. Because for me, I remember I'm a huge planner, huge vision person. So in college, I would literally have this plan for my next four years. And then sophomore year of college, I had this 12-year plan ahead of me. I have these dreams, but am I doing enough to actually take those smaller steps and break it down into more bite-sized morsels? I have to admit, I'm very much, I don't plan everything to the second and I don't plan like a a five-year plan. Like, you know, I'll, I'll come up to random people at a bar or something and be like, oh, like, where do you see yourself in five years? And like, oh, I don't even know what I want to eat tomorrow night. And I'm like, it's it's not really that complicated. It's more of like, let's say you're 25 now and you're going to be 30. Like a simple question, do you want to be married? Like those are kind of things like you usually kind of know in the back of your mind, do you really want to be married when you're 30? Like for me, if you asked me that a year ago, I was like, heck no, I want to be like a socialite when I'm 30 and like kind of be like Paris Hilton. And then like now you asked me this year and it's like, no, I think I, I want to be like more more or less like married by that point. Um, but there's no like wrong answer. I just think it's like, you got to be just self-aware of what that is. And then you can kind of break it down. But I don't think it has to be a linear path because I think that's where people get really stuck in figuring out, you know, what they want in five Mm -hmm. years. It's much more simple than people make it is kind of how I see it. Yeah, I think that's such a relief to know that and to hear that because clearly growing up and having to make all of these decisions and being asked, what do you want to be? What do you want your life to look in 10 years? Who do you want to be at that point in your life? It's daunting. And it's very Mm -hmm. intimidating to so many people because it's this massive open sea is how I picture it in my head. And I don't even know how to begin to explore it. Mm -hmm. And so taking it down to questions, because you're right, we aren't asking ourselves the right questions. We're not asking ourselves the day to day stuff. We're more so expecting and putting this unrealistic pressure on ourselves to answer these massive questions that we couldn't possibly answer. Because one, life always throws random curveballs in the way. So we don't even know if that's what we're going to want at the end of the day. But two, like, It's unrealistic to expect that we would have the answers to those things right now if we're not actually doing the small things to get there. Yeah. And I honestly want to be like at a bar where you're at and just like watch you do this like motivational magic on like whoever you're talking to. (laughs) I could totally see this playing out in my head. Like you're like, what are your passions? They're like, I don't know. And you're like, okay, well, let me coach you through this. Like. Yeah, I get a lot of questions on this. And people, all of my friends think I'm like so ballsy for it. I personally love it. I will say like I have a certain taste. Like I love going to extremely like bougie restaurants and like getting a really nice cocktail there and just like sitting and like observing people. I did this, you know, two weekends ago and went to Scarpetta, which is in like Nomad area, showed up, 
had a lemon drop and then ended up conversing with like some guys next to me. One of them ended up being like the CEO of some makeup brand in Sephora. I, I forget it was I forget the brand. In terms of confidence, if you like anyone ever wants to do this, first always go to a restaurant that you've been before. If it's your first time, go to a place like don't necessarily go to a bar. For me, I can do that now because I've done a lot of things alone. Um, I've lived in LA alone. I live in New York alone. Go to a restaurant you've been to before. That's like you getting out of your comfort zone, but like showing up by yourself. Secondly, go in an outfit and just make sure you just look hot and you feel super <laughs> confident about it because that will that energy will exude out. Like, you know, when you know you just look really good, you know that you're going to attract people like both in good and bad ways. And I think you just have to walk in and own that. So that's like a huge piece of advice I have. And thirdly, don't be on your phone. If you're going and you want to be like an awkward solo person on your phone, like that's just no point then. Like literally go and absorb the awkward feeling you have of sitting at a bar, drinking a cocktail and like re- like not knowing that you're not talking to anyone. And that's just where you will feel the confidence come in. You're like, holy shit, I'm here by myself. And then, you know, you start to converse of people and be like oh like do you go here you know that's like basic question like someone next to me could be like oh do you go here often like that kind of thing or where you're from like all that kind of stuff people love to talk about themselves so when you go and ask them questions about them they're going to be more intrigued and be like oh you know and in fact most people found me more intriguing that I was there by myself um, including the following night where I went to like this cocktail lounge in Soho and people were were like oh who are you with and I'm like oh I'm just here by myself and like a lot of guys and girls were like oh my god like that's just independent bad bitch (laughs) stuff and I was laughing because you know I guess but I think because I went through like a more darker alone period in my life a couple years ago I feel like I did it then and then now I just do it because I can you know what I mean but um definitely I think when you look and feel good, I think that's where you hold the most power for yourself. And then you can go into any situation and leverage that because, you know, you feel self-confident within yourself already. Yes. All the power to you. That is my dream come true. I want to travel alone. I want to do things alone and like have that confidence. 100%. And when you put yourself outside of your comfort zone, that's when you realize the areas for growth that you have personally. <laughs> and also you start to realize how many fears are just internalized or in your head or honestly just fake in a lot of ways. And that brings us to like our next topic, which is if there's so many ifs in life, there's so many what ifs, but more so we want to talk about the three main fears that I personally feel with people manifesting their dreams. If money wasn't an issue, if fear wasn't an issue, and also what people thought of me wasn't an issue. I started to look at mainly how I chose my career path and how I chose the friends I associate with. And I think that's something that tends to have a lot of control and power over people. Like funny enough, a, you know, a a close friend of mine, love her to death, but she's someone that values working for a company like Amazon or SpaceX and having a huge salary. And she just got a major offer today with a huge salary and signing bonus. And she's celebrating over text with me. And I'm so happy for her. But what does occur in my mind is thinking after she she hits, she has hit that milestone now, but how much of her life is she going to love? That's always something I'm curious to, to see. And I think so many people just put so much emphasis on a career or something that will get them from A to B. And they think that's going to bring them happiness. So that's why I don't really put leverage on finance in terms of, oh, I need to be doing this in order for my life to go a certain way. And I think that's a mistake most people run into. So for me, I know it's difficult because finance comes differently for everyone, but you got to realize like 
you got to read books and learn from people who do make a lot of money and have a lot of wealth. Why is it that money actually doesn't buy happiness? And why is it that certain other aspects and elements of our life, friendship and relationships, why is it that actually will always hold more leverage versus if you had a million bucks in your bank account tomorrow, truly, will you be happier? I could buy a Range Rover tomorrow and I would still, like, I'd feel really happy and I feel the excitement and the high of buying one. I'd still come back to my equilibrium state and people forget that. You have these heightened emotions just like when you're seeing a new guy, your equilibrium <laughs> is here and you start talking to a guy, you really, and it's suddenly here. And that's where you got to really learn how to control your emotions. And I think that's where money can bring that to people along with other things. Again, the talking phase with someone, it's your really heightened and that's a really dangerous place to be in because you're not in control of something else has leverage over you and in this case money would have leverage for other people i definitely think that in the absence of any sort of financial stability it's difficult to to see how the other things are more important i think inherently at least i hope most people do that those friendships and relationships have more value at the end of the day Something I always remember about Steve Jobs, because I've read so many quotes from his um, autobiography. I haven't actually read the full book, but <laughs> <laughs> I've read quotes from it. And he was famous for writing that at the end of the day, he realized that he didn't give enough time to the things that truly do matter. And I guess it's this weird in-between space of finding that sweet spot of working hard to get the financial stability, but not holding it mm-hmm. as more important and mm-hmm. priority as the relationships and the people in your life and mm-hmm. the things that are more intangible because clearly money does give you that instant boost of serotonin, right? If you get a new car or you get just something yeah. exciting for yourself. And I think it goes right into defining your fears. So like, why do you care so much about money? For a lot of people, it's like, I'm afraid that I won't, you know, like live a life that people will find praiseworthy or, oh, I'm afraid that without money, I'm going to have to depend on a guy or I'm going to have to like marry rich or something. Or if without money, I'm not going to have like the freedom to have certain luxuries, whether that's like traveling or getting your nails done, whatever. So I think it's like, okay, well, whose fears are those? Like, are those yours? Are those like from your parents? Are those from society? Where is that voice coming from? And is it really you? Because like, I think your greatest fear in life should be regretting not doing the things that you truly were passionate about. So how do you go about like fear and just focusing on if I was attending my own funeral, like these are the things that I want to be known for and I want to have accomplished, you know? I just always reflect on that. It's two different questions. One is what are, how are people describing you when they're at your funeral? And the second one is how does a friend describe me in the first 30 seconds to a stranger when they're asking, oh, what is Emily? I want to know what is a friend going to say? Speaking of my lifestyle, as I mentioned, I do have a specific taste, a more bougie taste. And I think that is... (laughs) something you have to acknowledge, right? Like that is a personal taste. There's nothing wrong with it. And if you do need that kind of financial means, you got to ask yourself, is that something you're willing to trade off? Whether that's working harder, again, me not watching Netflix, Hulu, anything in, in exchange for, I guess I save lots of money on monthly subscription versus, and I just do my nails instead. You know what I mean? I think that's just how I evaluate my life is like what I value most. And for me, I I love the aspect of being able to go out to a certain place because I get to go out with certain friends and converse with them and build my relationships with them there. So that's how I look at it in terms of how I invest my finances into my lifestyle, even if it might be a little bit more expensive. I just think you have to acknowledge that work backwards and say, okay, if you really value that, then 
take that finance job mm-hmm. or take whatever job it is that can afford you that. But then you, you just got to know that's your reason why you're taking that. But if it's because you want to look your big shot or something, that will probably make you, you know, cripple later on, which is unfortunate. But in terms of fears, I just think, I guess I, I got over that phase a long time ago in terms of being scared, <laughs> not accomplishing certain things. Because to me, I don't, I'm not that goal driven as much as I seem I am. I'm honestly just more like, don't tell me what the fuck to do driven kind of person. <laughs> I really just don't being constrained in a certain bubble or kind of being told you need to do this, you need to do that. And it's why I, I'm my own person. I want my own freedom. I want my own personal freedom and just the desire to do whatever I want. So it's more about independence versus I want to be successful and accomplish these things and check it off. Like, honestly, I, I could be more successful, if you will, if I was more goal driven and goal organized. Like I said, I know I seem <laughs> that but I'm honestly I'm not as checklist as much as I wish I was. You could also become a slave to your goals, you could become a slave to your future vision and have it totally take away from the meaningfulness of this present moment, and what you're learning today, not 10 years from now. I think it's really cool that you have this vision and For me, it's valuing the quality of your life versus the output of your life. That's where my balance gets confusing because I used to be so careless about taking care of myself in the sense of getting sleep and nourishing my skin or even just getting a workout in because I I don't care as long as I'm getting a lot of output done. That was more so Mm. my college mindset. Now that I'm outside of that, okay, I want to have a high quality lifestyle. I want to take time to meditate and all those things, but I also want to be focused and disciplined. And honestly, Emily, I feel like you're the queen of discipline, even if you don't do the goal setting thing. So how does that work out in your life? I will admit, I think discipline is something is probably what keeps me together versus having all these like goals and vision boards and woo-woo manifestations. I think it's just for me, it comes down to self-discipline, which I probably got from being a competitive skater and tennis player, being on ice in the tennis court, literally six hours a day, like split time between. I think for me, how I say discipline is just keeping a certain structure in my day. So at least a loose structure. So that goes from what time I wake up, which is usually between 6, 6.30, I work out by 7am. I I consistently do that every single day. I hit the gym by 7am or do a morning walk. I just do that consistently. And then I go about my day, which is a little bit more free flowing. Although again, I do wish it was a little bit more structured, but that's (laughs) sometimes hard for me. But I, I think that's how I maintain my discipline. And then again, for me, what drives me is being able to live the life I want to live because I want that. It's just my personal taste. Some people might be, I just really want, again, it's so funny when you talked about the output of your life in college, I have a really close friend that graduated Mm -hmm. as like valedictorian at Pepperdine University. And she just got every single A possible. And she tells me that something she struggles (laughs) with is she doesn't have an A to chase anymore, seeing that output. And it's so funny because I was, oh, I wish I was a little more you where I was more driven by an output. So it's, it's a sense of liberty and freedom where I'm, I genuinely don't care whether it's, if I, I don't know, if I'm shown as the success more, am I happy and am, am, am I living the life I want to live? That's just, and it, to each person, it looks different. Some people go to Scarpetta and pay for $21 cocktail. Like that's at least afford to do that. Or some people, it's, I want to go to museums and, and get out of the city and hike and, and whatever. So whatever that life looks to you, just got to know your personal taste and then look at what you need to do to, to really get there. That's just my thought process on it. There is something you said mm-hmm. about obviously the output of conversation and how that would drive you as well mm-hmm. as the discipline, because you know, you're obviously just going through that structured routine. 
As far as finding validation in the wrong things, because when you do wear a lot of hats, that becomes not only your happiness, but the source of your income. That's everything for you. So how do you go about not putting all of your worth in it? Let's say for some reason, one of the businesses fell through, which God forbid that would never happen. But let's say something that did. Mm -hmm. How do you think you would realistically react? Yeah, I've thought about this before. And I think the ultimate answer is, well, what was life before all of that? You know, and that goes the same thing for boyfriends, for girls listening. People go, oh my God, my heart is so broken. How am I going to live after this? But the question is, how how did you live before you met them, right? You were living, you were breathing, you were eating, and you were you know, probably happy and probably sad in different moments prior to meeting that person. So I think that's the same thing for me. It's like, I don't hold too much of my identity within like what my work, right? I think anything can happen, you know, COVID obviously closed down a lot of businesses. And I think you you never want to attach yourself, especially to your ego. And I think my practice with ego came from practicing stoicism. So I'm very happy and fortunate to say I'm genuinely not that attached to my ego. I don't care for people to think like, Oh my God, she's so X, Y, and Z. I just care that like, I care about myself. Like, I don't know. It's almost like a selfish way of like, I genuinely don't give a shit. Um, and I think you just reach a level in life where, or a point in life where you just don't care because you care more about your self wellness and preserving yourself versus like the external world. I think some people just get so attached to what they look like and how they're perceived which is okay because that is a natural instinct, but you got to ask yourself, why is it that? You know, why do you care so much about holding on to this? Because is it life or death? You know, when you ask yourself the question of what could be worse, you realize there's a lot of worse things. If if I lost one of my businesses and I needed to pick up another nine to five, I'm like, cool. Like, I'm sure I'm going to learn a shit ton more. And then I'm sure I'll go back to like starting another business. You know, it's really not the end of the world. Like at least I'm still living. And I think I break it down into like the macro part of life and micro. Like this is just a micro moment things happen, you'll be upset for a couple of days, but internalize it and recognize like you're not fucking dead. So you know, it's you're fine. You know what I mean? Like, I just think like our generation or I'm on the brink of millennial and Gen Z, but I think this new generation gets so sad and so picky about the most dumb shit. And it's like, relax, you know, there's people that I see people that work harder than me and like, you know, work at Starbucks. And I'm like, holy shit, like you, you do like so many tasks, like, you know, and you're cleaning and doing this. And our parents were working 10 times harder than we do. They didn't have podcasting and all that. So I just keep myself in check. I think that's the ultimate answer is like, just check yourself like at least once a week, make sure you're not getting too in front of yourself. Because especially for me, if I ever meet a guy that's like, so driven by money, or has an ego where he thinks like, you know, I was out the other night in New York and he, this guy is like, I'm out by myself. He's like, tell me he's friends with Mark Jacobs. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. And, you know, I think he was like sad that I wasn't as excited. I'm like, I don't know, dude, what do you want me to say? Like, oh my God, let me meet him. Like, honestly, I don't care. Like, that's cool. You know, Mark Jacobs is also human. So, you know, I'm Emily Elizabeth. Nice to meet you. Like, I don't know. What do you want? That's just my mentality. That's so funny. I feel like that's how people are with celebrities, which I totally get somewhat. I'm like, okay, some of them like, yeah, I would maybe low key fangirl. But at the end of the day, like everybody shits. So like, there's like that book that is literally called that. It's just funny because like we put so much so many different people on these pedestals. And at the end of the day, like everyone's just the same interesting stuff. But (laughs) 
I love the like logic behind it. Also, like the internal work that you've evidently done to dissect like, hey, like, who am I? Like, what are the things that are holding me back in my pride and then letting it go like once and for all. And I just like think it's so badass that you're living this lifestyle that is still like very highly online and you have this presence and you're interacting with people all the time, but you don't let the comparison get to you and you don't let this like lane that you're in be like infiltrated by other people's lanes and like, you know, other timelines and stuff. And I think that's really hard to do, especially in the world of social media. I want to add as well, I think if anything, when it comes to comparison, people should start to use it to drive them. I think the hard truth Mm -hmm. that a lot of people, again, with this younger generation won't acknowledge is that competition Mm -hmm. is competition this world is competing if you're not competing you're losing and if you hate to hear it that's just part of the real world you go to college and someone in class is setting the curve for your calculus class you're either going to be in that top percentile who's getting an a and if not you're part of the people that get b's and c's and that's just how life works you have two options you either beat the curve or you set that curve and you you got to be willing to compete or you settle for the fact that you're going to just get a B or whatever standard on the ladder you belong on. So I just think if anything, not saying a competition isn't nasty. It's just how life Mm -hmm. works. You can still, there's still room for everyone. There really is, but it's going to be in this way, how the world works is you can compare to people. For example, just to dive into it, I compare myself to Kylie Jenner sometimes and people Mm -hmm. think that's so fucking irrational. And I think it's normal because she's not only my age, she's not only my age, but I think what makes her so X, Y, and Z so that I can't do some of the stuff that she does or like live some of what she does. I'm not saying I want a custom pink Rolls Royce she has, but I'm just saying what's to say I can't drive a custom Range Rover either. I don't know. You know (laughs) what I mean? So I just think people do put others on a pedestal and and act so many things are are out of reach and that's why they start to compare because oh man i'm never gonna be kylie jenner it's you don't have Mm -hmm. to be but it's not you can't be either you're the one that decided you can't be her or you can't be her or you can't be within reach of her you decided that because you compared and you just got sad that you don't have it in you to compete but you can you just gotta decide okay i'm gonna compete and be my best self it it really is simple it's it's not life or death i said it's just do you want it or do you not you know You don't have it in yourself to compete. Like that is like the hard truth that anyone who's listening right now has to like come to terms with. It's not that you're not good enough. It's not that you don't have the resources, the looks, the, I don't know, like like the people around you, the support system, whatever. It's that you don't have it in it yourself to compete. And if that's the issue, like evaluate that. Like, why is it that you don't want to compete? What are you so afraid of? What are you so insecure about? Let's change that, you know? You are like a strong older sister voice. (laughs) And I feel like we learned so much from you today. Like you seem so resilient. And I know that obviously you're talking on this podcast with us and we don't see all sides of your life for sure. But like personally, just totally appreciate you being here and giving us these words of wisdom. I cannot wait for everyone to hear this. So thank you for this conversation. Would you like to go ahead and plug your socials so people know where to find you? Yeah, thanks again for having me. This was truly so fun. Um, You can find me on Instagram. It's just at Emily E. Duong. Duong is spelled D-U-O-N-G. And then the podcast is What Fulfills You. And that Instagram is just at What Fulfills You. Thank you so much. Everyone needs to go check out her podcast because you've had some incredible guests on there. And it's like this, but on steroids. So if you liked it, go check it out. 
As for us guys, of course, we have App Before We Make It on Instagram, new episodes every Thursday, everywhere you listen. Leave us a review and comment a lightning bolt on our recent Instagram post if you're still here because Emily has literally like given me an awakening. So. Bye. Bye.